yeah, we'll give it a shot, shall we? Thanks so much for reading, um, Paul. I um, wanted us to stick with this story today. So I'm going to um, kind of retell this story and I'm going to ask you to listen. And if um, listen again, listen really closely. And close your eyes if that helps. And I want, like, while I'm retelling the story, I want you to think about a couple of things. One of those is, you know, when you hear the whole of the story, what part kind of stands out to you? And then um, also, what do you like about this story? What is it, you know, if you had to pick one thing, what's something that you really like about it? Um, okay, so I'm going to tell it again. Get ready for listening. This is, this is our listening space. Um, so Luke had been writing things down and he wrote the Gospel of Luke and here he's beginning the next edition, the book that we know as Acts. In his previous book, Luke had written down all the things that Jesus had begun to do before he was taken into heaven. Jesus walked the dirt of Palestine for 40 days after his resurrection and during this time he did two things. He proved that he really was alive and he talked about the kingdom of God. This shouldn't surprise us. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God a lot. He talked about it more than anything else. In the Gospels, the kingdom of God is mentioned 126 times. So after the resurrection, Jesus is around and he's teaching them. And then Luke recalls this one particular time when the disciples were gathered together. And it turned out it would be the last time that they would see Jesus in the flesh. And he says to them, I've told you this before, but I want you to stay here in Jerusalem until you receive the gift from God that I've told you about. John came baptising people with water, but in just a few days he'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. In response, the disciples ask Jesus a question. They say, and when this happens, will this be the signal and the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus says, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. But I will send the Holy Spirit and you will receive power and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus is taken from them. A cloud descends, much like it did in the transfiguration. But then the cloud disappears and Jesus is no longer with them. The disciples remained standing where they were, looking up to the sky expectantly, waiting for Jesus to reappear. And I kind of imagine they each have their hand up, shielding their eyes from the sun. And so there's a bunch of men looking to the sky, and they don't really even notice that suddenly they're joined by two others who are wearing white robes. And these two look at the men looking at the sky, and they say, hey guys, what are you doing? Why are you looking up? Jesus has been taken into heaven. You have seen him go in power and in glory. He'll come back someday the same way, in power and in glory. It's a pretty good story, I have to say. Um, I wonder what stood out to you as I retold it, as you listened to it again. And I wonder what you liked about it. Um, we are going to try something new this morning and technology is hopefully going to be our friend. Um, so we're going to break into, this is one of those things that you can do in Zoom that we're going to try out. We can break into some smaller groups. So I think probably maybe four groups. Um, and we'll just give you a few minutes in those small groups to just discuss those two questions that I um, put out to you. What stands out to you and what do you like about it, this story? So um, in your group, if there's people that you don't know, maybe start by introducing yourself. Um, that would be helpful. Um, and then not everyone has to share. So if you don't feel like sharing, that's fine. You can talk about 
what you did yesterday instead. Um, <laughs> but we we would like to, like to give you a couple of questions to talk about, which is what stood out to you? What do you like about it? So um, with David's help, we might see if we can do that now. I'm getting a nod, which means that it's in process, people. So suddenly you should find yourself in a different space, different space with a smaller group of people. How do people go with um, useful knowledge? I just hear from like a couple of people about the things that um, stood out in your group or the things that you liked. And um, I might just pick on some people. So, um, Choose some people, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone gets the peanut gallery today because. <laughs> Uh, it's very unique to be uh, preaching and we'll have someone sitting right next to you. It's good. It's good for the, for the humility. Um, so we might just ask uh, maybe, um, Anna, what, what did your group, what were the things that stood out in your group or stood out to you? Um, the, oh, what was it? The, um, the human God, that he had been Jesus the human, but now he was leaving and rising up to heaven, that he had been both all along. <laughs> That would have been something new to, for them. And um, the, the, a word that he'd said, don't leave Jerusalem, just hang about, because they had run away before and he didn't want them to be frightened and so he had to give them that to say, stay there and, and something special is coming, please wait. And um, visual, a lot of them, because it's a very visual picture, a lot of them got the picture of Jesus rising and the men standing below and looking up and watching him disappear. Yeah, that's great. That was, that was for what stands out. Yeah. And what did um, uh, Paul, were you in a, a different group? Were you and Selena in a different group to Anna? Yeah, yeah. Selena was in another group, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so what did your yeah. group like about it? What stood out to your group? What did they like about the story? Charlie. Did you hear that, Paul? I don't think you heard it. Like about the story. Okay, all right. Yes, uh, I just noticed. Well, the one that I read here about the uh, apostles asking Jesus for uh, if it, whether it, whether he's going to restore his kingdom already, and the Lord says the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and time. Mm -hmm. And that's for you to know. And uh, you know, within the last stage, we hear about people uh, prophesying about the end of the world here and there. And uh, this is very clear here that the Lord says it's not not even the Lord that even the Lord has the authority to set those dates. Right? And yes. It is, um, it's a good story yeah. and I think what's interesting is that it does, when you think about those two questions, what stands out, what do you like about it? Um, you can actually get quite a lot out of that conversation. So we in our group had quite a good conversation about all different parts of the story. Um, and so what I'm going to do today is we're going to kind of unpack some of the things um, that stood out to me this week. Um, and maybe they might have overlapped with some of the things that stood out to you, hopefully. Um, so we might just ask everyone to go back on mute. David, gone. Well, that's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
So um, Alicia shared with us last week the very end of the Gospel of Luke. Um, and this week we're looking at this passage from the very beginning of the Book of Acts. And there's a big amount of overlap in these passages. And part of that is about um, Luke kind of continuing on from his previous writing. So kind of, you know, when we watch a TV show, it's sort of says like, previously on Lego Masters. Um, obviously, you know what our weekly viewing is. Um, but like if that Luke is kind of doing the, the previously, this is where I'm up to. But I think he has another purpose as well. Alethea spoke last week about the response of the disciples that they moved from this place of fear to a place of worship and kind of freedom in the risen Jesus. Um, and the ascension described in the passage last week kind of gives a sense of completion to the story, like a conclusion. This is where they end up and they're happy and they're praising and they're worshipping and they're um, present with each other in their community. Um, but here these actions kind of are at the beginning of the story um, that kind of kick the story off. And that was one of the things that stood out to me when I was um, sitting with this passage this week. And so this morning we're going to have a think about what it is that's starting, what is it that it's about to kick into action. Jesus um, wants the disciples to stay in Jerusalem. He knows that that's a really difficult thing to ask, um, so he promises the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on hearing about this gift, um, which is, you know, a couple of people kind of brought this up, the disciples ask if this will be the moment when Jesus will restore the kingdom of Israel. You can almost see Jesus um, shake his head a little bit as he corrects them. Uh, no, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Just got um, a slide, I think, if it's possible. Yeah, so this is um, yay for Google. Um, this is a, a picture I found so that we can have a look at like where those areas are. Um, I think it's just helpful sometimes to have it visually be able to see it. Um, so Jesus had two priorities while um, he's resurrected but not yet ascended. He's demonstrating and he's proving that he's really alive and he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. If nothing else, um, the disciples should know both before Jesus' death and after that Jesus is concerned about the kingdom of God. This is what he talks about all the time, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And what we see here in the disciples' question is that they have a very narrow view of the kingdom. They're thinking only of the kingdom in a political and governmental sense. And um, I was in a group with Lynn and Terry and Lynn kind of brought this up as well. It's, it's sometimes interesting to see that the disciples, they still ask this question around um, uh, who, who's, it kind of shows that they have like a narrow understanding of what's going on. And Jesus is saying here, I think, think bigger, look wider. Jesus has a mission and this mission is to launch, to initiate the kingdom of God. And this, um, that the kingdom of God, that phrase is about God's enacted reign, his rule. Um, God's will put into action. This kingdom goes beyond the Jewish people and beyond Israel as a nation. Jesus says to them, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria. So geographically, those areas are kind of um, stepping outwards for them, like go from here and go out. 
Um, but they're also moving from where God is known and central. So in Jerusalem, where there's a temple, this is where people come for worship. This is where um, kind of people, people know about God or they associate with God. And then go, go out to the margins, go out to the fringes. So um, Samaria, we you know, have that story about the Good Samaritan. What makes that story so um, scandalous is that a Samaritan, a heathen, a person who's so far from God would be the person who is a neighbour to the man in that story. And so um, Jesus is kind of asking them to step out but also to move to the fringes. I want to just pause there for a moment and um, we might get back into our group, see how that goes. We might just do it for two minutes. Might put a time on it this time. Um, and just have a short chat about what the fringes look like to us. So um, when you think about where we live and you think about Darwin, um, where are the margins in our region? Or if you're you know, joining us from Hong Kong, <laughs> think about where are the margins or where are the fringes of your city, your area. Um, when you think about people who are marginalised or groups that are marginalised, who do you think of? Who's in that group for us? Um, where, when we, you know, if you were to think about people who are on the fringes, what does that look like? So just have a quick chat to people about that. Just give you a couple of minutes and then we'll come back. I mean, in general, um, I hope that that's, um, that has been a bit useful to be able to have a conversation with a smaller group of people. We might, um, if that worked well, we might, try and do that a bit more in the next um, few weeks from time to time. So, um, yeah, let us know how you found that, that process. Um, some of the things that I was kind of thinking about this week in terms of people who are um, us in some way, particularly at the moment with um, so much use of technology, people who are, um, you know, don't have internet at home or don't have high amounts of data or don't have a computer. Um, there seems to be an assumption that people will just be fine to have everything happen through the internet and um, there are lots of people that's not the, that's not the case for. Um, I think, so we, things that came up in our group were things around um, home ownership, so people who, are, who don't own a home um, kind of feel some sense of disadvantage. Um, people who are unemployed, um, people with like varying levels of education can sometimes put you into a group um, race or culture, um, tech, um, uh, what else did I have? Something else. Oh, so like regional areas versus the city can sometimes feel like there's a bit of a gap there. Pretty much anything that um, causes someone to be different, we could choose to make that something that then people experience as a disadvantage. Um, and I think part of what Jesus is asking us here is to, to think bigger and to look wider around um, what are the things that cause us to say um, God couldn't be there or God couldn't use them or God can't be at work in that space. Jesus is asking the disciples to change um, their perception. We see margins as places on the outer, as people on the outer. Um, but Jesus is asking them, no, I, I want you to go to those places. I want you to be on the fringe because God is also at work in the fringe. He's already there doing that work. I'm growing my kingdom there, Jesus is saying. I like to grow my kingdom through you. So you go and be my witnesses. Um, Jesus says he's sending the Holy Spirit and he will, give you, he will give them power to be his witnesses. 
Um, and this was the other thing that really stood out to me in the story. Um, these words, commission is for the disciples, absolutely. Um, but I think this commission and these words are also for us as followers of Jesus, as his disciples today. There are two parts to this. So um, first, when I have a think about what it means to be a witness, and I don't know what comes to mind to you when you think about that, but um, for me, we, I often go immediately to an eyewitness. So someone who was there, who saw things happen. It's kind of the primary way that we define witness. Um, but eyewitnesses are often unreliable. We all have this unconscious bias that um, leads us to think that people are disadvantaged or um, for one reason or another. And it influences, um, we also have things that influence our memory of events and um, actions that they're kind of, um, it's our interpretation of actions that we remember more likely than the actual event factually. And I think this is a, this is a Sam thing, not a scientifically proven thing. Um, but when an event happens that requires us to call an eyewitness, the eyewitness wasn't prepped for that. Um, and so that's why it kind of contributes to they, they're not so reliable. So let me explain what I mean. <clears throat> Last year, Greg and I had our car broken into. We were on a walk around a park and the person um, stole my bag out of the car. It's a bag that I carried every day. And when I called the police about it, they asked me three questions. What time did you arrive at the park? How long were you walking? What was the contents of the bag? They should be easy questions. Um, and if I knew someone was going to ask me, like, if, you know, you kind of take note of the time, if you know what time you have to be somewhere or whatever. If I knew someone was going to ask me those questions, I'd have been prepared. I'd have, like, noted in my bag, like, yep, I know what's exactly what's in there. Um, as it turned out, I couldn't answer them. I couldn't answer any of those questions. I was like, oh, well, hmm, oh, the shop was closed, so I think we must have got there after four. We definitely were back by six. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how long we were walking for. Um, I wasn't prepped for that. I wasn't prepared to answer those questions. Another way to think about that word witness is to think of it as a verb. So to witness is kind of the sharing of knowledge about something through an observation or an experience. So in order to be a witness, we do need some personal experience, but we also need to be able to share knowledge in a way that demonstrates how that experience or how our observations have led us to a certain conclusion. How do those things kind of fit together? So if we come back to our story, Jesus has two priorities, right? He demonstrates to the disciples that he's really, really, really alive. And then he spends time teaching them about the kingdom of God. He's preparing them to be witnesses. See these facts, experience them, and then this is how these facts link to the rest of Scripture and to the way that God is at work in the world. This is Jesus' prep for mission. He's not preparing them to be able to tell this story to each other. He's preparing them to be able to share knowledge and personal experience of him and the kingdom of God as he sends them out to the edges, to the margins, to the fringes. Jesus says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he'll give you power to be my witnesses. So this is the second part, and it's important. I want us to really hear this. The crucial ingredient for us to be witnesses to Jesus and the kingdom is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We aren't able to be witnesses all by ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can be prepared, and that's our job to be prepared, but the Holy Spirit empowers. 
Um, Greg and I were chatting earlier this week about um, being a witness. Sorry, you kind of get to be part of this now, don't you? Am I allowed to talk? Oh, no. <laughs> um, uh, so we were chatting about, like, you know, what is, what is it about being a witness that's, um, you know, what comes to mind and what's important? Um, and Greg said, being present. It's not enough to be a bystander. It's not enough to just physically be there. You actually have to be engaged and looking at the right things. I think there might be a slide for us for this one. Um, so this is just a bit of a fun activity for you. So one of the things that Greg is really great at is finding four-leaf clovers. Um, he can spot them. They stand out to him. Um, he finds a lot of them. Um, I think in the first six months of us dating, I probably got four-leaf clover most weeks. <laughs> um, but people often ask Greg, and they say to him, like, I don't know how you do it. I can never find a four-leaf clover. How is that possible? Um, and his answer, more often than not, is, well, have you been looking? The Holy Spirit helps us to see God at work, to see God's will in action. Um, he helps us to see the ways that we can put God's, um, the way that we can put God's will into action. And he helps us share the things that we see and experience of God in the world with others. The Holy Spirit helps us really look and know what we're looking for and when we see it to be able to talk about it. So Jesus' final words in the flesh to his friends were for them to wait for the Holy Spirit who would empower them to be witnesses, to see and point out and explain to others God at work in the world. And these witnesses are not just bystanders. God invites them to be part of his mission. So their mission, the disciples' mission, starts once the Holy Spirit comes to them. And that um, the story about that is in Acts 2. And the rest of Acts um, follows this unfolding mission to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Um, it's a good read uh, here if you, a bit, if you need something to do this week. Um, if you've never read it or not for a while, I encourage you to read through Acts. It takes about two and a half hours. It's not, not too bad, not too long. Um, you can do that. We can do, we can do that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I know you're all looking for some reading this week. But while you're reading, um, think about how Jesus prepares his followers for the things that they would face um, in that, that period and how the Holy Spirit equips and guides and comforts. And also have a think about what's going on in, that, in all of the stories that happen through Acts. What did the inbreaking of the kingdom of God look like? Um, this is the last week in the series that we've been looking at in the snapshots of the life of Jesus. Um, and I, I want to leave you with a few questions for reflection and to kind of respond to and um, you can send a message um, through the chat on Zoom um, or you can send us an email or send us a text message. Um, but if you, from what we've kind of shared today, what you've talked about in small groups, how we've kind of unpacked things from this story, are you prepared and are you preparing to be a witness? So two parts to that. Do we know Jesus and do we know about the kingdom of God? Are we prepared to be a witness? What does bringing about God's will look like for us here in Darabin? So if we're thinking about God's at work here, how do we join that? How do we be part of that? What does that look like for us locally? And then we're also called to look wider and think bigger about our view of the kingdom. 
how are we looking for and supporting kingdom work kind of beyond our local community? How are we doing that? Um, how are we being supported with that in the rest of Australia? How are we doing that? You know, how are we looking for that overseas? What does that look like for us? So we might just um, take, a few, take a moment to kind of um, sit with those questions, sit with this story.